This podcast is for informational purposes only. It is not to be construed or substituted for professional and personal medical advice. Consult your doctor before initiating any medical therapy, natural or otherwise. Hello, this is Dr. Rachel Culleton. I am a licensed naturopathic physician in Washington State. My practice is specialized in pediatric wellness and chronic care in our kiddos. I focus a lot on foundations of health, minimizing toxins around us, as well as, you know, toxins in us. So food sensitivity, food allergies, looking at where our food is coming from. That is a huge, huge, huge part of my practice. Um, A lot of what I do has been inspired by my son, and you'll hear all about him and his health history, I'm sure, as we go through these podcasts. In my personal life, let's see, so I have a three and a half year old boy. He keeps me on my toes. He's super active. And I'm married to a nursing student. He will be graduating in June, and we are so excited for him to be done. School during this time is just crazy. So, yeah, that's me. A little bit about uh, the practice, and I'm excited to do this podcast and have you guys join us. Thank you. Hello, I'm Dr. Alexis Banducci. I'm a licensed naturopathic doctor, certified lactation consultant, and a doula. I'm also a mother to a crazy two-year-old toddler and soon to be a mom of two. Additionally, I'm also a military spouse and a fur baby mama. Currently, we live in the windy state of Oklahoma. In my practice, I specialize in women's health. So anything from preconception, fertility, pregnancy, and postpartum, menopause, Really, just anything hormone-related. I also specialize in digestive health with an emphasis on SIBO and autoimmune conditions. My practice is 90% telehealth or virtual consultations, and in what little spare time I have, I love gardening, hiking, and I am definitely a crazy plant lady. Hello! Hello! Podcast time! Woo! I'm sitting with a heating pad, so I'll try not to fall. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that sounds nice. Yeah. I'm going to do my best not to sniffle my way through the podcast. (laughs) I was just looking. I'm like, is there a way to mute my mic? There's not. (laughs) There is not. Um, Yeah, I wish there was. That would be helpful. Um, at least for me and my slight sniffles and my (laughs) need to drink water incessantly and possibly need to go potty. (laughs) Uh, All the things. 37 weeks pregnant. Uh, Oh my God. You do like tomorrow. I know. It's crazy. Oh my gosh. You can actually, (laughs) you could actually go at any time. I know. That's what I've been trying to tell myself in order to motivate and get things done. (laughs) It's not working super effectively, but um, yeah, hopefully we still have a little bit more time and uh, I can get all of my ducks in a row or at least a few more of them in a row than I have now. At least corralled. Yes, exactly. Um, Well, welcome listeners to our next episode oh my gosh I can't even I'm totally blanking what is this the third fourth third third oh we did eczema we did immune is that it I think so I feel like we had one more I did too (laughs) maybe it's only the third (laughs) look at us acting like we're seasoned professionals here (laughs) um welcome to our third podcast uh mama's munchies and little monsters we are uh tackling the topic today of sleep um so we've mentioned it as a foundation of health in our other two (laughs) podcasts (laughs) um and so we find it important enough to warrant its own entire episode um and it's something that um is very important from a few different perspectives. Obviously, Dr. Culleton's going to touch a little bit more on the kiddo aspect of sleep, which as moms, uh, we know the importance of and <laughs> oftentimes our own 
um, relationship to sleep and our own health uh, is reliant upon those kiddos and their relationship to sleep. So um, it kind of has that filter down effect. Um, Sometimes if you can um, work on kiddo sleep, then mom gets more sleep too. Um, That's the goal usually. Um, That's our, that's our struggle right now. Kiddo's not sleeping, so mama's not sleeping. Yep. So um, we're going to tackle this from both directions um, and see if we can provide some good tips and some education on um, sleep practices. So um, I do want to mention, of course, we have our disclaimer, but I do want to mention, too, that um, there are um, deeper root causes for sleep difficulties. So, um, you know, while we're giving very general information, um, if this is something that's an ongoing challenge for you or your kiddo, I want to recommend that you reach out to someone and talk to them about that. Um, because as with anything, um, the causes and um, reasonings behind things can be uh, very unique and in naturopathic medicine, we don't um, give a Band-Aid to everyone. We don't have a magic pill for everyone. Um, <clears throat> you know, we don't, somebody doesn't come to us and say, I'm having trouble sleeping, and we just write a prescription for Ambien. <laughs> That's not really how we work. So um, you definitely, if you're having um, bigger challenges or some of the general tips don't work for you, you definitely want to reach out to um, hopefully a naturopathic doctor who can help you address all the underlying issues and things. Yes. <laughs> that's, that's, that's my intro. That's what I've got to say. And this week, I get to start off the podcast. Whoop, whoop. Yay! <clears throat> uh, so... Um, bear with me. I will have to uh, take water breaks occasionally. Um, so I hope occasional deep, deep breathing breaks <laughs> and breathing. Yes, that's the other thing. Um, this child has decided she likes to sit really high and give me heartburn <laughs> and difficulty breathing. So um, <clears throat> if I sound like mm. I'm running a marathon while I'm talking, it's not because you are. <laughs> yeah. It's basically because I am. It's not, it's not entirely my fault either. Um, so sleep difficulties. So I am going to use the term sleep difficulties. Um, you know, there is the diagnosis of insomnia. Um, and that would be um, one of those cases where um, if you have um, sleep, if you're beyond kind of sleep difficulties and challenges, Um, and you're getting into the zone of insomnia and, um, like massive loss of sleep, that's when you're really, um, going to need to work with someone one-on-one. So what we're kind of talking about here is a little bit more in the sleep difficulties range. Um, and while I was thinking about sleep difficulties and, um, kind of our framework for, um, addressing them. Um, what popped in my head is, you know, an old school Venn diagram (laughs) (laughs) because I'm cool like that. Um, so if you think of a Venn diagram with three circles, there's kind of three, I mean, there's more, but there's three major, um, kind of causes or contributing factors, um, within the body that we can look at. Um, the nervous system is going to be one of them. Um, hormonal aspects is the second. And then the third circle is kind of a physical, but also environmental aspect to sleep difficulties. So um, the reason it's a Venn diagram is because a lot of times these things have overlap. Um, For example, um, I'm going to be talking about cortisol, which is our stress hormone. Um, It's a hormone, so it kind of falls into the hormonal category but it's also very controlled by the nervous system. So it has aspects of both. So if you imagine a Venn diagram, that little shaded area where it's like both category, (laughs) um, that's where cortisol could fit. Um, In um, hormonal, uh, you know, when we address um, cortisol from a hormonal aspect, we're looking at Um, kind of nourishing and um, helping the adrenal system, um, which are two little uh, 
glands that sit on top of the kidneys um, and produce cortisol for us. Um, what happens where the nervous system comes in is that mainly the signals come from the brain, which is part of the nervous system, to kind of activate that cortisol. That's like our fight or flight um, system. Um, it comes from our brain. It comes a lot from our nervous system, and that's causing that hormone to be released. <clears throat> Uh, and then when we talk about our nervous system, there's definitely a lot in naturopathic medicine that we do to kind of address the, the nervous system, um, itself. One of our, uh, really great tools in our toolbox is, um, herbs that are called nervines, um, and those are calming to the nervous system. Um, <clears throat> and then when we talk about physical kind of the physical and environmental aspects, what I'm talking about there, when I say physical, I really mean like the physical body. So um, addressing things that crop up at night with um, kind of the physical aspects of sleep. So that could even be from like <clears throat> something like restless leg syndrome or, um, or having a, an environment that is not conducive to sleep. So <clears throat> it's a little, a little tiny mini preview um, I'm going to talk about a few different aspects a little bit more in depth, um, and then I'll, I'm going to pass it off to Dr. Culliton to um, even hammer some of those other things in more and give more perspective. Um, so like I said, I'll start with hormonal. So when we talk about hormonal, um, there's the cortisol aspect. So um, I was looking into the research and... Um, for actual diagnosed cases of insomnia, of people with insomnia, um, the cortisol, they actually measure the cortisol throughout the day. And what cortisol is supposed to do is be high in the morning. So you wake up, you can get out of bed and go. <laughs> um, that cortisol is providing you with energy to get your day going. Um, so you're not, you know, dragging butt out of bed. Um, and then it slowly declines, um, throughout the day and it should be at a lower state before you go to bed so that, um, all of the things that need to happen for you to fall asleep can happen appropriately. Um, and what they found was people who had, um, diagnosed insomnia. So these are people mostly who, um, have been, I guess, uh, seeking help <laughs> for inability to sleep. Um, to get that diagnosis, they found that most of the time those people had higher um, overall. So throughout the day, their um, cortisol was higher um, than those who didn't report having insomnia, but especially also right before they were supposed to be going to bed, their levels were higher. So um, that comes into play because that's a hormone that's kind of preventing you <laughs> from actually going to sleep. So um, ways to address cortisol. Um, what happens and um, what we see in naturopathic medicine is those people who, um, I believe we've mentioned this on the podcast, but who um, are kind of going throughout their day exposed to chronic stress, um, are continually <laughs> programming their bodies to um, be exposed to higher levels of cortisol. So that's really where you're looking at um, changing, retraining your brain either to um, handle your stressors differently, um, to decrease your <laughs> stressors wherever possible, um, and support your body um, in basically uh, feeling like it's less stressed. So self-care, um, making sure that um, you're addressing your mental health, those sorts of things. Um, all of that stress management that um, is very common to be preaching right now, um, making <laughs> sure that all of that is, um, is in line and you're taking care of yourself. Um, easier said than done, uh, for sure. Uh, making sure that uh, you are <laughs> finding a balance wherever possible. Um, but yes, so working on stress management, um, other, uh, when we address cortisol from kind of more of the hormonal aspect, like I mentioned before, we're looking at, 
um, addressing the adrenal system. Um, so what, what we can do to address that, um, natural rhythm. So, um, boosting cortisol in the morning if needed, um, in hopes that, you know, if you're groggy in the morning, we get a little bit higher in the mornings, um, and then it can decrease, um, in the evenings. Um, also, we have in our toolbox a lovely uh, category of herbs, which is called adaptogens, adrenal adaptogens. And those are herbs like ashwagandha um, that are helping to kind of um, really nourish the adrenal system. And if you need more <laughs> support, um, they're able to do that. If you need calming support, they're able to do that. Um, herbs have um, multifaceted mechanisms of action. Um, so you can actually have one herb that for one person supports a certain action and for another person supports another. Um, also, I want to mention in the hormonal category um, that for women, um, female hormones actually do have a role in sleep, you may notice if you're a cycling female, um, if you get your menstrual cycle, that um, there are certain times of your cycle you sleep better than others or worse than others. Um, if you are a non-cycling female, I'm sure you've noticed that one major symptom of menopause um, is insomnia. So there's definitely a link between your female reproductive hormones and sleep. And again, those are going to be kind of um, more specialized individual cases because you're addressing <laughs> something completely different to um, have the results of better sleep. So, um, you know, we may at some point address um, some of those things more in um, a future podcast, but I wanted to mention them here because they do play a role for sure. Um, and then <laughs> the other major hormone, which everyone also talks about is melatonin. And, um, in my Venn diagram, <laughs> I have that overlapping a little bit with the physical because melatonin is actually, um, stimulated by light, um, taken in through our eyes. So, um, uh, it, the reason it's it's kind of more physical um, is because as a as a human race we are exposing ourselves to a lot of light um, in the nighttime hours um, screens or just lights in our house um, that are uh, inhibiting um, melatonin production in our brain. So we need that melatonin production to help us fall asleep, um, to help us stay asleep. Um, so when we're, you know, staying up late, binge watching on Netflix, <laughs> well, that might, <laughs> might be part of our stress management and it might feel really de-stressing. It's also um, working a little bit um, against us. So uh, things to combat that, making sure you're not having screens in your bedroom, cutting off screen time an hour before you go to bed, blue light blockers. Um, you can either get glasses that you can wear or um, you can get filters on your devices, computers, phones um, that take the blue spectrum of the light out um, and it will kind of filter everything and make things look um, orangey. <laughs> um, it's actually the blue spectrum of the light that really stimulates our brains um, and the red um, kind of orangish spectrum. Um, we don't register the same way. So um, having red-ish lights, if you need lights at night, um, one of the great recommendations are those uh, hippie salt lamps. Uh, not because... <laughs> Necessarily, they have any magical properties by being a giant chunk of salt, um, but for the fact that they give out uh, the perfect spectrum of light to not stimulate your brain and keeping you awake. So um, with new moms that I work with, I, I always recommend to get something like that um, if possible. It's usually the cheapest option for, you know, those nighttime awakenings. Um, nighttime feedings, those sorts of things, it's going to really um, help 
mom (laughs) not get stimulated as well as baby to get back to sleep. So um, that's kind of what I have in the hormonal uh, bucket of my Venn diagram. Um, I'll move to nervous system. So I talked a little bit about the um, interplay of cortisol and, and the nervous system already. Um, So when we're looking at nervous system type things for uh, helping with sleep difficulties, um, you know, we're really trying to transfer our nervous system from being in that fight or flight state into the rest and digest um, state. So we want to get it parasympathetic based. um, So we are able to be calm, our body starts um, all the processes that um, signify that we're no longer running from a f- threat or overstressed. Um, some things that work in that category, um, meditation, there's lots of apps out there that can do some guided meditation. Um, I really like, this is kind of overlap with the physical aspect, but, um, you know, progressive relaxation that moves you through relaxing your physical body as well as um, your mind and your nervous system. Um, I mentioned, um, some herbs in this category as well. So we have, um, Nervine herbs that really help kind of calm that, um, nervous system response. Some of those that I love is passion flower, hops, uh, catnip, um, is another great one, chamomile, and then lemon balm or Melissa officinalis. So those are all things that are kind of uh, herbs that are addressing the um, the nervous system to get it kind of in its rest and digest and calming state. And a lot of times I see those be really effective. Um, those can be in tea. Um, those can be um, in tincture, which is an alcohol extraction. Um, those can be in glycerites. That's a glycerin re- uh, extraction. Um all of those are really great. Um, also, um, aromatherapy at this time can be good. So we all know the relaxing properties of lavender um, essential oil. So, um, you know, using those when safe um, for diffusing or, um, you know, there's lots of do-it-yourself recipes for, you know, uh, pillow sprays with a little bit of lavender in them and those sorts of things. Um, so getting kind of a relaxing routine um, with herbs. And then um, the next level of herbs, which definitely um, you want to have a bit of caution <laughs> in doing, uh, is what we would call sedative herbs. So there's herbs that cause more, that mimic more of a sedative um, reaction in the body. Some big ones you've probably heard of are valerian um, and kava kava. Um, those are both sedative herbs that are pretty common in sleep formulas. Um, there is caution with valerian um, in that it causes nightmares in some people. So <laughs> that would be counterproductive to getting more sleep as if you're waking up or you're tossing and turning from nightmares. So, um, and with some of the stronger sedative herbs, you definitely want to make sure there's no um, interactions with either other herbs you're taking or other medications. So um, if you're looking into some of those, um, I would recommend working with a health professional who knows about them so you can make sure you're doing that safely. Um, And then the final category I have on my Venn diagram is physical and environmental. So we talked about light and how that relates to melatonin. That's kind of the overlap with the hormonal aspect Um, progressive relaxation, getting your physical body relaxed. Um, There's definitely um, kind of uh, mellow, relaxing, stretching yoga routines that you can do if if you really feel like some of the things that are keeping you from sleeping are physical, um, you know, being, um, having your muscles in your body being physically wound up and unable to relax then you're going to want to look into some of those physical modalities to get things kind of calmed down so you can be comfortable and go to sleep. Um, When we talk about the environment, best environment for sleep, you want it dark and you want it cool. Um, 
again, no screens, um, none of that blue light um, infiltrating into your eyes. And um, also there's a place uh, for kind of physical uh, or muscular targeted herbs. So things that will relax your muscles, help you get, help get your physical body relaxed. Um, again, those come in many forms. Some are topical, um, some are um, internal. Um, so you definitely want to make sure you're kind of targeting that appropriately with someone who knows um, how to do that. But, um, you know, it can be anything from like a muscle rub before bed or um, anything like that. I also do want to mention a lot. I talk a lot with people about allergens in the bedroom. So making sure your physical space um, is clean and free of dust and pet dander and those sorts of things. Um, A lot of times uh, not being able to breathe (laughs) will prevent you from sleep or any sort of like allergies, symptoms that are popping up at night. Um, Those are going to be a challenge to good sleep. So uh, last two points um, I was just going to say is apart from menopause, um, you know, this is the personal aspect. Also pregnancy will affect your sleep. Um, So again, that's uh, partially hormonal. That's partially physical. Um, Sleep causing the sleep difficulties in pregnancy. Um, (laughs) You kind of have to employ a whole separate uh, toolbox if you want to address, um, pregnancy related insomnia. Um, so that's something definitely to work with somebody, um, on. Um, the other thing I did want to mention as well was magnesium. Um, that is an awesome, uh, substance. Uh, like I tell a lot of my patients, if, there was one thing I would want to be piped into tap water. <laughs> it would probably be magnesium. Um, most people can benefit from um, magnesium. There are some things to watch out for, um, and there's a lot of different forms of magnesium. So definitely making sure you're getting the right form to address what you're hoping to address is important with magnesium. Um, but uh, magnesium plays a huge role in the production of melatonin. Um, It also uh, helps a lot with adrenal health and stress and cortisol, um, as well as there are also forms that are um, physically relaxing to the muscles in your body. So, um, you know, depending on which variety of magnesium, which flavor of magnesium, uh, you kind of need magnesium is a great kind of just blanket general sleep support, um, mineral or nutrient that is important. And it's not, uh, hundred percent very easy to get in food. So, um, that is one that oftentimes if there is some sort of supplement that, um, I could give to everyone, I usually go with magnesium. So that's all of my points. Woo. I definitely learn stuff. I'm like, oh, I need to, like, literally doing all the wrong things for sleep right now. Um, <laughs> you know, it's hard to practice what we preach. It's uh, so even hard. When, even when I say these things, I'm like, all right, well, these aren't the things that I do very well. <laughs> um, but, you know, it yeah. is what it is. I was just thinking back. I'm like, the best I ever slept was when I was pregnant. <laughs> Yeah, that's not not the same for everybody, though. Um, Okay, so kiddo stuff. So I start seeing parents in my office asking about sleep pretty much from day one. And the interesting thing is, is that babies don't produce their own melatonin until about two to three months. So until that time, they're still just kind of sleeping whenever they want. They don't have their 24-hour circadian cycle. And then even still, like, if you look at our environment nowadays, like Dr. Banducci said, like, we're surrounded by light all the time. We always have screens going. And I'm seeing more and more kiddos, what I would call deficient in melatonin, where they don't produce it. And 
a lot of kids start on melatonin when they're toddlers because they mm-hmm. they're not sleeping. I mean, my son's one of those. We started him pretty early on it because he would just be wired and tired and not physically capable of falling asleep. I was this exact same when I was a kid. And so I know that he has like a, kind of a genetic component as well as just the world we live in. Um, we, we live up in Washington. So, and I forget that like the Southern states are different, but in the winter, our sun sets at like three thirty, four o'clock. <laughs> and during the summer, Oh, and it doesn't rise until after 7 in the morning. And then in the summer, it sets around 10 (laughs) o'clock. And it comes up at like 5. That messes with us. So our kids, you know, they're up running later during the summer. And then during the winter, we turn all the lights on. And that keeps them up later. And it's just a constant struggle. But the big thing with trying to get kiddos on a sleep schedule early is not just melatonin, but it's looking at their wake times. So I have parents who come in and they're like, gosh, yeah, my, I don't know, three month old is overtired, I think. And they're not sleeping and I can't get them down for a nap. And I go, well, how long are they awake between naps? Like, oh, three hours. Uh, (laughs) That's way too long. There's like a prime wake to sleep time ratio. Um, I'll put this on my website so you can reference it, but pretty much like under two months, like having a babe awake longer than 40 minutes is too long. They just get over tired. And then once we, the times increases and as we get to like the um, approaching one year, so eight to 12 months, that wake time finally increases to that two and a half to three and a half hours, but every kiddo is different, of course. So that's the first step I work with parents on is looking at those wake times. And then once we get kind of past that into toddlerhood, looking at if we need to add in melatonin, don't go to Facebook. Don't ask your friends on Facebook about melatonin. Um, Find a provider to work with because dosing is so particular. Um, in adults, we do what, like three milligrams? I don't even know. <laughs> anywhere I've seen anywhere from one to five as average doses. Okay. And then so I used to, to, yeah, I used to take five and it would do nothing. And now I take one and I'm like out like a baby. But I found that it really depends on where you get the melatonin and how it is dosed. Like, do you give it when they get in bed? Do you give it 15 minutes before bed? Do you give it 30 minutes before bed? And it's just, it's this little prime window that you have to do it just right. Otherwise you miss your window and they're back in that wired and tired. And then it's tantrum central. Um, yeah. Other things for kettles, you can do a lot of what we do for adults Um, with the herbs and everything, with the setting up of the sleep space. The big thing that I encourage parents to utilize in sleep space is weighted blankets appropriate to age. So there's a certain weight of blanket for a certain weight of child that helps calm the nervous system and the uh, kind of sensory input. You think of like, I don't know about you, but me, I like a lot of blankets on me. Mm -hmm. I like the weight of it. It's calming. And we finally got one for our son. And it helps a lot. And then the other thing is a white noise. Even if you're already in a quiet place, it's not really about the um, like sudden noises, like the fear of waking up a kid. But the white noise, especially if you start it young, like when they're a baby, it mimics the sound of being in the womb. Womb? Womb? That's womb. A, womb. <laughs> like, that's not weird. <laughs> um, and so it mimics that. It mimics like the sound of blood flow and it's calming and it's soothing. And I got white noise going right now and I'm like, oh, I could, I could take a nap. <laughs> um, so that's- yeah, you get like a, an association with it. I definitely yeah. forgot to mention that, um, especially even for adults, like 
you'll hear people talk about how they can't sleep with the, without the fan on. And half mm-hmm. the time that's because of the white noise that the fan makes. Yeah. Not necessarily the, the temperature. Yeah. But, the um, same thing with like TVs, even if it's, you yeah. know, TV shows, when we go to sleep, our brain turns that into Charlie Brown, you know, it's just the yeah. wah, wah, wah. Um, the other thing, oh, with the white noise, some parents make the mistake of turning on the white noise until they fall asleep and then letting the white noise turn off. If that happens or if you have music going, like calming music, and that turns off after a certain amount of time, the kiddo's going to wake up in a different environment than when they fell asleep and it's confusing. And they mm-hmm. will, like, try to find you and seek you out either as an infant by crying or as a toddler by getting up. Um, let's see. So then the herbal stuff, we talk about that. If you choose to go that route over melatonin or you want to start there before kind of increasing through the levels of intervention. When we look at herbs, I really like them for kids because they act on the calming, soothing aspect. So if you have a kiddo who has anxiety around bed, not necessarily that they're wired and tired, but they even potentially have fears of nightmares or monster fears or just general, you know, it's more like tummy aches around bedtime. That's kind of an indicator that they're scared to fall asleep for some reason. Of course, talk to them about it. But the other way is using these herbs as uh, nervines to just kind of calm and soothe their nervous system as they learn to regulate those thoughts. Um, The one thing that I'm really cautious with is a lot of those sedative herbs. So the California poppy, um, you said the other one, valerian and passion flower, even in small doses, they put kids into a pretty deep REM state. And it's being in that deep REM that leads to vivid dreams and nightmares. So mm-hmm. you'll you'll hear parents being like, oh, yeah, they slept great. But then, yeah, they're waking up with nightmares. That's an indicator that you need to reach for something that's not as strong and um, work with your dosing so that you're doing it earlier in the evening and not right before bed so that it kind of starts to wear off after they fall asleep. I find that the herbs really only have a pretty short acting period in kids. It seems like three hours. If you can get them calm and asleep in three hours versus trying to, you know, give them an Ambien and knock them out, which don't give your kids Ambien. That was not a <laughs> suggestion. Just yep. as an example, you know, because Ambien causes vivid dreams too. Yes. What else? Um, those are the major things I have about kids. There's not a lot of like safety concerns around sleep medication for children other than what I just spoke about with the herbs. There's a lot more hesitancy in parents to quote unquote drug their kids to sleep because they want their kids to learn how to sleep. And (laughs) I live in the camp of your kid has to sleep before they can learn how to sleep. Mm -hmm. So if your kid's not sleeping, you're not sleeping, you're stressed out they're stressed out and it's not calming. It's not soothing. Nobody's going to sleep. And yeah, this becomes especially important in illness. So colds and flus, making sure kiddos are getting sleep. Uh, We went through this last year where our son was sick every three weeks and nobody was sleeping because we were up at night worried about him. Um, A lot of, Cold medication has melatonin in it, so just make sure that that's age-appropriate for your kid if you're giving them, you know, any of the natural cold medication. I notice <laughs> kids do sleep better with that one, but I think it's only for kiddos above age three. And melatonin can be used under age three, I should say, that you just have to work with a medical professional for that. Yes. Yeah. I didn't write my notes down today. Because <laughs> I didn't sleep the last three days, so I'm just doing this off. Memory. I was going to ask your your opinion on the whole like learn to sleep <laughs> aspect. 
Yeah. Oh, and like sleep training. Yeah. Well, <laughs> we can go there. <laughs> oh yeah, we can go there. Um, but just in terms of like, <clears throat> when you talk about, when you hear people talk about like, oh, you need to like teach your kid to sleep. Um, I don't know. That sets yeah. off some weird, weird, weird reactions in my brain, at least. What do you, what are your thoughts? So I have a personal story around that. I remember like my earliest memories as a kid, I was a toddler because I remember the house I was in. So I was under age five. And I remember everything in that age in my brain revolves around not being able to sleep. And I would go up to my room and I couldn't sleep and I try to get up and I get in trouble for getting up. My parents would tell me to go lay down and it was a constant battle. And so much so that, like, (laughs) that's my trauma, you know? And Mm -hmm. telling a kiddo they need to go lay down, that's not training them how to sleep. That's just saying, I don't want to deal with you. You need to go in your room. You need to figure it out. Teach yourself how to sleep, right? You're not Mm -hmm. giving them the tools. The way we can give kiddos tools is by – you know, showing them how we set up their environment, showing them how we have our wind down routine that, you know, we do the same things every night. Um, you can't, if you have sleep difficulties, you can't learn how to sleep. Like, just look at an adult. Like, are you going to tell someone who has, you know, clinical insomnia or ha- had a really stressful day, like... Oh, you just need just to, go to just, just do just that go or to just sleep. close your eyes. That's what you do. You just close your eyes and you fall asleep. Yeah. It's, just go to sleep. <laughs> it doesn't work just like stay that. in your bed and go to sleep. <laughs> I mean, I have to like, you know, most nights during the week, I really struggle with sleep stuff and I have to lay there and like be like, okay, I need to turn my mind off. I need to relax my jaw. I need to be happy just laying in my bed and being comfy and being warm Like, I have to go through this mental process, and my son doesn't know that yet. He doesn't know what he has to do to be able to calm down. I mean, last night, he um, got really upset and had a very, like, physical tantrum because he wanted to wear these new pants that he got that he's worn for four days straight that have little bunnies on the knees. Mm -hmm. And for him, he needed those to fall asleep. And... (laughs) And this poor kid is like, it was awful. He threw his body at me and hit my face and gave me a fat lip. And that's what we struggle with at sleep time sometimes. And I know a lot of parents do is that physical battle and hard-headed will or whatever. Of they need their pants to sleep. They need one more cup of water. They need five more books. They need this. They need that. And it's because there's um, uncertainty around sleep. They're mm-hmm. still learning. Like, I'm going to fall asleep. I'm going to wake up in my bed every day. Or my son's starting to have dreams, you know. He wakes up in the morning. He tells us about his dreams. And it's all it's all new and weird. And he's learning. Uh, I didn't give in to the pants. I did not. Usually I do, and I did not. And he ended up snuggling in bed with me. And by the time my husband left the bedroom and was downstairs to, you know, quote unquote, get his pants, he was passed out in his underwear. Yeah. And then I put him in bed and he woke up at, so he went down at seven and then he woke up at four this morning. Mm-hmm. got his own pants out of his dresser and came into my room and was just like balls of the wall, ready to fight again. <laughs> and I'm like, what is going on? Um, so it's just, it's the hard it's, years. <laughs> it's, it's like those memes where you're like, I really respect your, your fiery personality, but not in this grocery store. No. Like, yeah. Not, not at 4 not in the morning. Yeah. Yeah, I think that, um, that's where as adults, um, you know, sometimes we need to look at our own, um, 
our own <laughs> preconceived notions as well as our own health and our own physical body. Uh, nighttime parenting is like just it's hard. <laughs> like there's no which way about it. I mean, there's always um, kiddos who don't struggle with sleep, but um, even sometimes those kiddos are going to go through phases and um, times in their lives when um, they might have issues and nighttime parenting is just rough. So, you know, making sure that um, we are trying to do our best and take care of ourselves so that we're able to be, um, and the best we can be in those situations and then also not um, being hard on ourselves in those situations either because that's mm-hmm. really tough. That's a hard, a hard situation to deal with. Um, you know, you're tired, they're tired, you, they've woken you up. Um, you know, uh, demands can seem illogical and unreasonable. <laughs> Um, and when you're tired, you just, you can't, you can't manage uh, a good response to them and those sorts of things. So, you know, there's, there's so much to, to parenting kiddos in yeah. that, um, in that time. Um, yeah. <laughs> One thing I'm working on is that, um, so we know our son gets up early, like, that apparently is just his thing. The latest he wakes up is 5.30, but it's typically like 4. And I have been like working hard to shift kind of my day so that I'm comfortable waking up and being slightly functioning that early. Because right now I just get him up and I plop him in front of the TV while I try to sleep a little bit longer on the couch. Um, not the best because I'm not really sleeping. I'm just kind of like dozing. And then that throws my day because think of any time you wake up and then you're like, oh, I'm just going to go back down for a little bit longer. You just feel groggy. Yes. Um, And it's not like I stay up late. I'm usually in bed by 7. I put him down and then I'm in bed by 7. But I scroll on my dang phone for like two hours. (laughs) Yep. Like trying to get some of my best work done on my phone in those hours. Right? I know. Well, and I even was like, okay, if I'm going to scroll on my phone, I might as well do work. I did that for a little bit and I'm just back to like scrolling on the Instagram. Um, But no, yeah. Screen screen time, I think, for parents is just, I mean, it's absolutely brutal on on our sleep. And it's not training our kids how to sleep, right? Yeah. It's tough, though, because it also sometimes feels like a mental break. <laughs> yeah. So it's like this double-edged sword. Um, I totally agree. In some ways. So, well, <laughs> hopefully we're not ending on a, <laughs> on a downer note, but just to know that, like, you know, no one's perfect. And, um, you know, there's always, even if you feel like you've got it down, there's always something that... Um, there's always something to work on or there's Mm -hmm. always a different way to look at things or something to improve upon. Yes. So I hope we've um, given some good general information, illuminated some things, um, you know, quelled some, (laughs) some anxieties around sleep and sleeping kiddos. There, Um, There is hope. I promise. Um, and, uh, I guess that's it. Uh, so I, if you'd like to get in contact with me, um, I am Facebook and Instagram at strong foundations, natural health, um, or my website is strong foundations, natural health. Um, <laughs> we also have, um, an Instagram account specifically for this podcast, uh, mama's munchies, little monsters. And, um, we will post some of any of the useful links or, um, other things that we talk about, um, in the link tree and the profile there. Um, so you can jump on there, um, anytime there's, uh, something that either of us kind of come across that may be tied to some topics that we've done, we'll post those there as well. So give us a follow on that, um, if you would like, um, and then, uh, 
if you want to give your <laughs> handles. Oh, <laughs> so I don't have to use my brain anymore. Not that I don't know them, but <laughs> I think mine are just uh, Dr. Rachel Culleton, both on Instagram and Facebook. My website, though, I don't know why I did it different. My website's Rachel Culleton, N as in Nancy, D as in dog. Yeah. Awesome. I feel like I need to switch um, that. And... <laughs> I know. I sometimes can't decide if I should just go back, go, go with my name as opposed to my practice name. But um, also, uh, if you haven't listened to our eczema episode and that's something you um, are needing to learn more about, go back and listen to that as well as um, check out Dr. Culleton's website. She has an awesome free download. Ooh, um, yes, I do. To get um, addressing eczema. So, um, definitely, uh, check that out if that is pertinent to you. And I think that's it. That's it. <laughs> um, both of us do also, uh, work through telehealth, uh, work remotely. So while I'm in Oklahoma and Dr. Culleton's in Washington state, um, if there was a reason you would like to work with us, um, we can both do that, um, no matter where you are located. So um, reach out on one of our platforms and get in touch. And if you have any suggestions or um, feedback or ideas for future podcast topics, um, just reach out to us on all those places we mentioned um, and we will add it to our list. And if you have the time and the headspace, we'd love a rating on whatever platform, Spotify or Apple Podcasts that you are listening to us on. Give us um, some stars, um, write us a review. All of that helps get um, us coming up higher in search searches um, so that we can hopefully pass along more information to more people. Yay! That's all, that's all I have. Sweet. Um, so hopefully... I think we're a little bit past weekly for this episode, but we do aim to um, go weekly or at least every two weeks. Um, however, full disclaimer, I am 37 and change pregnant, so <laughs> there may be a break in podcasting. Maybe a little gap there. <laughs> at some point, I don't know when. But um, if not, we're going to keep continuing to um, plug away at making episodes to help people, so that's all I got. I love it. Go get sleep, guys. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Go take a nap. No, I'm just kidding. All right. I'll talk to you later. Bye.